Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, my guest is Jacques Voorhees, CEO of IceCap. Jacques is a very well-known diamond industry player for the last 40 years, and he has discovered how blockchain can help him tokenize investment-grade diamonds in order to create a two-way marketplace. So don't go away. In this week's tech news, it's obvious that we're in election season. And although we don't cover politics on the show, I will cover topics that are related to politics just because it's an interesting topic. So the first one is that there is a group of people demanding that presidential candidate Joe Biden not use any Facebook workers in his transition team. And what they're citing is that Biden was often accusing the Trump campaign of using Facebook to their advantage. There's something that I've covered in a past show around content moderation. This is where platforms like Facebook or Twitter or YouTube use technologies and people to, in essence, censor material out. That is all legal because they are not truly journalist, journalistic companies. They are private companies that are offering social media platforms. I think as we get closer and closer to the election, more and more of these stories will come up. It's also been reported that Amazon has been secretly monitoring social media for their Flex Driver program. Now, their Flex Driver program is very similar to Uber or Lyft, where these are independent contractors, not employees. And they're monitoring social media groups for any negative information. Now, originally it was supposed to be around complaints of the service, but now they're speculating that Amazon's actually using it to predict what types of negative comments are actually coming from the drivers themselves. Again, this is not something that is legal or illegal. It's something around the ethics or the question of ethics as we adopt other types of technologies and platforms. We've heard a lot about the U.S. banning apps like TikTok or WeChat. Well, I wanted to say that the country of India actually has a list of over 100 apps of Chinese origin that they're banning outright because of their fear for national safety. On my final story, I want to talk about how Lucid Motors is claiming that they will have a car with a faster speed than Tesla They're saying that they can go a quarter mile in under 10 seconds. Lucid Motors is headquartered right here in New York, California. Tesla, their factory is in Fremont. I'm sure we'll be hearing more about this from both car companies. And that's the Tech News of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, my special guest today is Jacques Voorhees, who is the CEO of IceCap LLC. And they are in the business of investment-grade diamonds through tokenization. Welcome, Jacques. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. So this is going to be a really interesting program today. I think there's a lot of things that you and I have discussed in preparation for the show. I wanted to really set the tone because you have been around diamonds all your life. And uh, there's a little nugget I'll say a little bit later in terms of your relationship to the blockchain industry. But 
How does your background in the diamond industry then relate to what's happening right now with tokenization and blockchain as a technology? Well, it, it didn't really at all until they invented something called non-fungible tokens. And the one of the most important things to know about diamonds is that they're not fungible. They're like snowflakes. Um, every one of them is different, um, which which created all kinds of problems in the past for any kind of uh, investment interest in diamonds. You know, how do you create a marketplace for something that every one of them is different, that you don't have fungibility? Along came non-fungible tokens, and suddenly there's a connection. So that's that's how the one led me to the other. That's great. And so why don't we start off with your background in the diamond industry? You spent many, many years in this. How did you get into that? Right. And and how I happen to get into it is directly germane to what's happening now and what we're now doing. So this I'm going to delve into the history a bit, but it's it's quite important. Um, back in the late 70s, I was a young kid out of college, didn't, um, didn't have a job, looking for what to get into. And back then, we had a world of high inflation, low interest rates. And the financial industry was moving as fast as it could out of cash, out of fiat, as they call it now, um, and into hard assets like gold and silver. But another hard asset that they were moving into was diamonds. This is a story that's kind of been forgotten. But in the late 70s, the diamond investment market in the United States grew to a billion dollars a year. Um, Today, it's close to zero. But back then, it was a billion dollars a year. And there was a whole industry, a whole group of companies that were set up to sell diamonds to that industry or to, to that to that demand to those to those investors and a friend of my sort of a distant friend of my family got connected to one of those companies and heard i was looking for a job and offered me a job as a salesperson for that company to sell diamonds to investors well what do i know about diamonds i'm a young kid that grew up in iowa right um i knew nothing about diamonds you're supposed to be acidic to even get into that business um so i thought well it sounds kind of interesting i, I don't have anything else going on so i went to new york and took the one week diamond grading course from the Gemological Institute of America, just so I'd learned something about the product. And the guy I was sitting next to turned out to be the son of the president of the New York Diamond Dealers Club. <laughs> kind of a big deal. Yeah. And when he heard that I what I was thinking of doing, he said, um, diamond investment, I think you better talk to my dad and hear what my dad has to say. So he arranged a meeting between me, you know, a 20-something kid, and the president of the New York Diamond Dealers Club. And William Goldberg was his name. And Mr. Goldberg said, um, you should turn down that job offer because diamonds are a bad investment. And I said, why are they a bad investment? He said, because there's no two-way marketplace. You you can buy and sell gold on a two-way marketplace. You can buy and sell shares in IBM on a two-way marketplace at, at very small spreads. But if you try to buy a diamond for investment, you're going to buy at retail. And if you have to liquidate the next day, you're going to walk across the street to another jeweler and you're going to sell at probably 60% below the price you paid because there is no efficient two-way marketplace. And even though diamonds generally go up in price, they're going to have to go up a lot to recover that kind of an in-out cost. So because of that, diamonds are a bad investment and you should turn down that turn down that job offer. Well, so I drove away from New York, totally crushed my career in, in ruins. But as I was driving along, I was thinking, well, wait a minute. On the one hand, you have a billion dollars of demand going into diamonds for investment. And on the other hand, you have no two-way marketplace for that demand. Someone needs to create a two-way marketplace for the investment industry. And that's what started me on my path into the diamond industry. And uh, the short version of that, I started a company called Polygon, which introduced the first online trading to the diamond industry and, and was extremely disruptive. 
and, and became the basis for how all, all diamonds today, which are traded, most of which are traded online at some step in their journey from the mine to the consumer, it laid the groundwork for all of that. Um, so, but here's the irony. It took me many years to get that company started since I knew nothing about diamonds or computers or business. I had no money. I was the least qualified guy on the planet to do what I was trying to do. And it took me six years before I could open for business. And, and guess what happened right on the eve of when we opened for business, the entire diamond investment market crashed. And so six years into trying to meet this demand, when we finally got going, the whole market disappeared. Why did it disappear? Because Reagan got elected and the monetary policies of the Fed changed and suddenly uh, interest rates shot up, inflation shot down, and everyone was was backtracking and getting out of hard assets back into currency. Interesting. And all those people that had bought diamonds for investment, guess what happened to them? They pretty much discovered that William Goldberg was right, and there was no place they could sell them, and they took huge losses, and the prices crashed. It was a it was a huge debacle in the diamond industry. So, so quick question, just to fast forward, and then we'll continue back with your background: is with what you see happening at this moment in time. You know, we're printing money. We have very low interest rates. Uh, do you see parallels to what started you on your journey the first time around? Uh, you think? Yeah. And not just parallels. I would say it's like I've gone back in time. Um, it's, it's almost exactly the same thing. And then on top of everything else, along comes COVID, right? And suddenly we're, <laughs> you thought we were printing money before? Look at what those printing presses are doing now. They're smoking hot. I mean, they're just going crazy. And that's one of the reasons crypto is doing great. It's one of the reasons gold is doing great. Um, so the, the, now it's suddenly time to get back into hard assets. So very much a parallel. Yes. I'm, I'm going to pause you right there because we've got a lot more to talk about. Super interesting topic. I have Jacques Voorhees, who is the CEO of IceCap LLC. And we're talking about his lifetime career in the diamond industry and how that's now added on the tokenization or what I'll call blockchain as a technology into his portfolio. And that's what IceCap's all about. If you have any questions or comments about today's show, email us at info at svn.biz. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. We're going to be right back with more of Jacques and IceCap. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. My special guest today is Jacques Voorhees, who is the CEO of IceCap. They are a company that is tokenizing investment-grade diamonds. And earlier in the show, we were covering Jacques' lifetime career in the diamond industry. And so now we're going to continue on. So Jacques, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. A question I have is what makes it difficult to invest in diamonds, especially in the past? Right. Um, <clears throat> the big problem with invest in, investing in diamonds stems from the fact that diamonds, unlike an ounce of gold or an ounce of silver or a Krugerrand, or for that matter, a Bitcoin, um, they're not fungible, meaning they're not. each one of them is different from every other one. And it's very difficult to create the the foundation of an investment marketplace in anything that does not have fungibility. Even with respect to um, commodities, they had to create fungibility by defining a contract, like contract in soybeans or whatever it might be. Um, and, and that works for soybeans, but it does not work so well for diamonds. Um, 
because the values are so different. So an individual diamond, slight differences for that individual diamond could make it um, worth, uh, on, a, on let's say the wholesale marketplace between $10,000 or $16,000, tiny little things. Um, and th there's been no way to create fungibility. And all of the attempts over the last 30, 40 years to open up investment grade marketplaces for the diamond industry have all come about it by trying to create fungibility in one way, shape, or form. They've all that's that's been um, something that they've all shared in, in common, and they've all failed. They've all gone out of business, and they've gone out of business because you can't create fungibility between diamonds. And as long as you can't do that, up until now, which there's been something that changed now, but up until now. Since you can't create fungibility, you can't create a marketplace. And if you can't create a marketplace, you can't create an easy way of buying today and selling tomorrow um, without incurring huge in and out costs. And, and as long as you have huge in and out costs, diamonds are not a good investment. You'll lose too much on the, on the spread between the buy and the sell. That's what's been difficult up till now. Well, thank you. That, that's a great answer. Very enlightening. Um, how much would then non-fungibility of a diamond be akin to non-fungibility of artwork? Very similar, very similar. In fact, that's a very good analogy. And that's why you don't exactly have an investment marketplace for art, do you? You have auction houses. Um, I guess you have eBay, but it's not like if you bought the Mona Lisa today for, I don't know, $100 million, you could sell it tomorrow for $100 million and 1%. Marketplaces like that simply don't exist. And one of the reasons is that there is no fungibility between Mona Lisa's because there's only one. Now there is fungibility between limited edition prints. So there you do have a bit of fungibility, but again, those, those, the, the depth of those markets is rarely, is fairly small. A typical limited edition print run would only be a few hundred prints. So what do you right. do with that? And my analogy to that would be baseball cards and comic books. There you go. There you go. Yeah, there's it's just not a deep enough market. But, but this is really where it gets very fascinating. And we're, we're converging to uh, my listener also knows that I'm very interested in blockchains and technology. How is IceCap approaching the NFT problem with tokenization? Yeah. So what we're doing is we're using the technology of non-fungible tokens, which are fairly recent. I think they've only been around a couple of years. Um, we're using them as the silver bullet to solve the problem of how you create a diamond marketplace for investors. So rather than trying to create fungibility for diamonds and hence create a marketplace based on a single fungible, we might call it diamond unit or diamond contract or diamond standard measurement of some sort, we, we, we do the opposite. We sort of use a judo move <clears throat> and we use diamonds fungibility. We don't try to destroy that. We try to embrace that. And this is where the non-fungible token comes along. A non-fungible token is much like any other crypto token in the sense that it's, um, it lives and moves on the blockchain. It could be tracked on the blockchain. It has the security of the blockchain. Um, it, th think, of the, think of the blockchain as a superhighway and tokens are like cars or trucks that drive along it. So non-fungible tokens drive along that superhighway just like the other, just like the rest of the traffic does. But a non-fungible token is a unique thing. So what we do is we pair up a unique non-fungible token with a unique diamond, which by the way is not fungible. You see the connection. Once you have a diamond represented by a token where the ownership of that time diamond is connected to the ownership of that token, aha, 
then you can trade the token on any trading marketplace that allows non-fungible tokens. So now you have instantly um, marketplaces already existing for these tokens because they're part of the blockchain, they're part of the Ethereum blockchain, and they can be traded just like other non-fungible tokens are traded. And uh, right now there are at least two and there will soon be more marketplaces set up to do nothing but trade in non-fungible tokens. And one of them is OpenSea.io, OpenSea like ocean, OpenSea.io, and the other is Pixura.io, P-I-X-U-R-A. These are platforms where you do nothing but trade non-fungible tokens. So we are um, we we take diamonds, and we uh, we connect them to we, we we mint a token, a non-fungible token for them. We connect the diamond to the token. Using so the, what identification? You use a photograph or some type of gemological? Uh, yeah, photo? yeah. Well, every one of our diamonds is graded by the Gemological Institute of America, which right there it gives it a unique identifier number with a GIA certificate number, which is inscribed on in by laser into the girdle of the diamond itself. So the, the metadata of the token includes all the gemological properties of the, of the diamond. So there's a, there's a very easily established one-to-one -one relationship. We then put those diamonds in a vault in New York, which is insured. And the diamonds, um, and the, I should say the tokens representing the diamonds go up on the OpenSea marketplace um, with an asking price. And so as with the rest of the OpenSea marketplace, someone can click here and buy them um, for Ethereum or for other currencies. When they buy one of these, um, automatically the, the, the payment comes to us, comes to IceCap, and the token goes into the wallet of whoever bought the token. Okay, then things get interesting. What can you do with a diamond token? Well, you can be boring and just sort of hold on to the token and you know, wait 10 years and see if diamonds appreciate, and then you can sell the token. Or you can take that token and put it right back up on OpenSea at maybe a, a higher price and see if you make money on it. But probably most useful, most interesting is to redeem the token, to take delivery of the diamond. So in that case, you send us the token, we burn the token and we send you the diamond and you now have a diamond which you can enjoy. Well, but how does that allow you to use it for investment? Because let's say it's five years from now or maybe even five weeks from now, for some reason you need to liquidate, you need the cash, you need to sell that diamond that you've been using as jewelry no problem, send it back to us for $25, we will re-tokenize it. And you can now put your token back up on OpenSea and sell into that same OpenSea marketplace. So what we've done here is we've changed the dynamic from the status quo for an investor of having to buy a diamond at retail and having to sell at sub-wholesale. Now you're buying on the OpenSea marketplace at a price level 10 to 20% above wholesale and when you liquidate, you're selling on that same marketplace at that same level to another investor or someone else um, with the only, assuming you find a buyer, for only a 1% in-out transaction fee charged by OpenSea. So we've essentially brought something that is similar to other investment marketplaces. We've now brought that to the diamond industry by virtue of non-fungible tokens. That's, that's fascinating. I'm going to pause you right here because we even have more to talk about. I have questions um, just when I get interested in a topic. So you're listening to Jacques Voorhees, who is the CEO of IceCap. We're talking about how to tokenize investment-grade diamonds so that you can actually trade them reliably. Um, I'm your host, Keith Kuhn, Silicon Valley Insider. If you have any questions or comments, email us at info at svin.biz or find us on Facebook Twitter or LinkedIn, and we'll be right back with more with Jacques.
For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. My guest today is Jacques Voorhees, who is the CEO of IceCap. IceCap is a company focused on tokenizing investment-grade diamonds to create a two-way marketplace. Jacques has been in the industry of diamonds for over 40 years, so don't go away. On this week's Cyber Tip, I'm going to talk about facial recognition technology being used in airports. And why this is relevant is that a lot of news came out about how the Customs and Border Patrol are using facial recognition technology to scan people as they leave U.S. airports. Now, this isn't new, and countries like China and India already have this as a mandatory requirement. And so a lot of consternation has come up because American citizens don't feel like they should have to be able to submit to a facial recognition scan to leave the country. In fact, Homeland Security had in previous years said that, well, the easiest way to do that is just not to travel. Now, not getting too much into the Constitution regarding illegal search and seizure, it's a lesser known fact that as an American citizen, you do have the right to refuse to be subjected to a facial recognition scan. And how you would do that is to ask the officer at the Custom and Border Patrol gate if you could get a search done the traditional way, if you're comfortable with that. I don't actually have an issue with this, but I know many people do. So the cyber tip is this. You can simply opt out by asking the Custom and Border Patrol agent nicely that you want to get a traditional search, which might be a pat down instead of a facial recognition scan. And just remember that as an American citizen, you have rights. Now, you might be asking the question, what happens if you're not an American citizen? Well, in that case, you must comply. And that's the Cyber Tip of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, we're talking about investment-grade diamonds. And that is with my special guest, Jacques Voorhees, who's the CEO of IceCap. Welcome back, Jacques. Thank you very much. So early in the show, we talked about your career in the diamond industry, how that's converging with using blockchain technology. Uh, I did promise an Easter egg, which is how you even got into the blockchain industry. And we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. But I wanted to continue on what we talked about in the last segment. We talked about what the challenges were in investing with investment grade diamonds in the past. And now we're talking about how we're tokenizing. First, what is or what makes a diamond investment grade worthy? Right, and and that's a, a, a very interesting question, which I would have a different answer to compared to most people in the diamond industry, but I think I'm right. Um, if you ask most people in the diamond industry, what is an investment grade diamond, which which is not a defined term. I mean, that's just a, just a, a made up term. Uh, they would say, oh, an investment grade diamond. Well, that would mean a diamond that's very, you know, the very best, you know, a D color, a flawless clarity, really big and expensive, that would be an investment grade diamond. But, but that's much like saying, if you ask someone, what is investment grade real estate? Well, how do you answer that? If you answered it, well, that would be um, like uh, the Midtown Fifth Avenue or, or Central in Hong Kong or uh, some equivalent places. No, that's the most expensive real estate, but that doesn't mean it's the best investment real estate, correct? 
Uh, you don't really know unless you can peer into the future what the best investment grade anything is. So when I answer the question, what is an investment grade diamond? Um, it means something very specific. It means it has to be the kind of diamond that is as easy to sell as it is to buy. Now, and of course that's because investors need to both buy and sell. If you're buying it for jewelry, like for an engagement ring or something, you, don't, you have no interest in selling it, you wanna buy it. But an investor, it's just as important to be able to liquidate that investment as it is to buy that investment. So, and this is the big um, unknown secret about diamonds. A lot of people know about the four Cs, the color, the clarity, the carat weight, and yep. the cut quality. What they don't know is that those four factors determine roughly 40%, excuse me, 60% of the diamond's value. So what determines the rest of the diamond's value? Other factors, which no one ever talks about, okay? Um, these are things like fluorescence and graining and interior clouds and feathers that may reach the surface. You've probably never heard of these things because no one ever talks about these things. I haven't. <laughs> but in the diamond industry, uh, everyone knows that the four C's don't tell the full story, which is why if you go to a, a major diamond ETL site, we all know what they are out there. Just type diamonds, you'll, you'll see what they are. Go to one of those sites, type in a search for diamonds, let's say you know, GVS2, one carat, excellent cut. You'll get back hundreds of diamonds and they will vary in price in that particular search from about $5,000 to in the high $8,000. Now, now think about that. You've just specified the four C's. All these diamonds are exactly the same on the four C's and they vary in price by 40%. It's because of those other factors. All right, so in the diamond industry, everyone knows that most diamonds have some of those negative factors in them, which is why a diamond dealer has to see the diamond before they can buy it, right? With right. me so far? So we define investment grade diamonds as diamonds that don't have any of those other negative factors in them we screen out every diamond that is tainted with a negative factor. Um, so because of that, it will look like if you just look at the four C's, our diamonds would tend to be more expensive than, than most diamonds because most diamonds are affected by those other factors. But to a diamond dealer, and ultimately, if you're an investor trying to sell a diamond, ultimately, if there's no other buyers, you have to be able to sell it back into the trade because they're always the buyer of last resort, correct? Yeah. If you have what we call an investment grade diamond, a diamond that's not tainted by one of these other factors, you will easily be able to find a buyer to buy that diamond. It will be a very quick sale. If it's not, it'll be a very difficult sale that could take months. Let, let me give um, go back to your earlier example. So a couple of companies I advise are doing blockchain in the real estate industry. Uh, a frequent guest of mine is Teresa Grobecker, who's an investment banker, but also the CEO of Consortia. We've tokenized every address in the United States. And we do that for the ability to do referrals and a marketplace for trades. Uh, I really liked what you said in terms of the things that, and we won't tell my wife this, but in terms of buying a diamond, we know the four C's, but there's these other qualities that most people who aren't very into the diamond industry wouldn't know about. So that's where I'm liking it to real estate and how we're tokenizing properties. Why not create a registry for all diamonds? I'm not sure what the value of that would be. Well, um, it's more of a, just a registry, especially in the consumer market that you would know that you're for insurance purposes and- Okay, other others, others are doing that. Um, there's, okay. there's a lot okay. of, of movement in the blockchain space to create and most of it is for provenance reasons, to be able to determine where the diamond came from, if you care about that, and, and sort of where it's been, and there's title transfer issues. 
So there's, um, and most of the diamonds coming out of De Beers these days are actually have blockchain connections to them where, where the provenance is able to be tracked. Um, got it. That's a subject that is uh, no doubt a very worthwhile subject. It's utterly outside my area of interest. Um, I'm interested in opening up the diamond industry to the investment market. So I have to solve problems for investors. And one of the big problems is making sure that they're buying diamonds that I consider investment grade, meaning they are just as easy to sell as they are to buy. And that's something that no one ever, no one else has ever really focused on before. That's a good use case. And it's always good to hear about something that nobody else is doing. So that that's excellent. So then in speaking with that, how do people get involved with IceCap? And we're not talking about investment in IceCap as a company. We're talking about how do people actually, they want to understand how to use IceCap as a platform for investment grade diamonds. How do they do that? Right. So let's say you're, you're a fairly high net worth individual, or at least moderately so. And um, <clears throat> you're not really in love with crypto excuse me, with uh, fiat. And so you have crypto, you have gold, you have silver, you probably have some real estate somewhere. You've done a pretty good job of diversifying out of fiat. And, um, but you also like the idea of diversifying among hard assets. So we would say one of the, one of the things you should consider diversifying into would be diamonds. And diamonds have a couple of advantages that others don't. One is you can enjoy the diamond in the meantime, you can wear it, you can, um, you can use it for jewelry, you can you know, let your girlfriend wear it around to parties and so forth. That's something that's hard to do with Bitcoin or with a, a bar of gold or silver. Another thing is that diamonds are unique in that they are the most portable form of wealth ever invented. If you need, if, if it's zombie apocalypse or 2020, one of those horrors, uh, you can, you can slip a million dollars of diamonds into your shirt pocket and, and flee the roving bands and the, the hordes of zombies and so forth. <laughs> or at least um, you know, make make it to um, uh, British Virgin Islands or wherever you need to do. Uh, those are also very difficult things to do with um, with with bars of gold. So if you're interested in diversifying a small percentage, and it shouldn't be more than that, but a small percentage of your hard asset portfolio into diamonds, then um, it's very easy now to do. I'll merely go to icecap.diamonds. That's that's a great top level domain, isn't it? Dot diamonds, but it yeah, exists. That's great. Icecap.diamonds. And th- our website, of course, will explain all about what our business is, how it works, who's behind it, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but right up in the upper right is a nav bar that says visit exchange, visit marketplace. And that takes you to the non-fungible token marketplace, OpenSea.io, which I mentioned previously. That's that's the, the primary marketplace for trading in these non-fungible tokens. And we have a whole section of OpenSea where right now there's about 30, 35 tokens up there ranging in price from about 3000 to probably about $50,000. Um, and it, it shows you, you can click on them, you can expand them, you can see all about them, you can click all the way through to the GIA certificate and, um, and you can buy them simply by clicking buy and the, it happens automatically. Your, your crypto will flow out of your wallet and the diamond token will flow into your wallet. And at that point, you can either just hold on to the token or you can redeem it and take delivery of the diamond. We recommend taking delivery of the diamond. That's great. No, thank you very much for explaining that. So go to icecap.diamonds. And as we promised, there is a whole reason why you're even aware of the blockchain crypto space. So why don't we explain your relationship to another famous Voorhees? Right. So um, in in the diamond industry, I'm fairly well known. In the crypto industry, I'm not known at all, nor should I be, but everyone seems to know my son, Eric Voorhees. 
Eric is the founder of Shapeshift. He's been involved in some other uh, crypto ventures. And um, he's, well, I guess you'll excuse me if I say he's the smartest guy I know in, in Bitcoin. And if I could just take a moment, he, uh, I was having coffee with him uh, roughly nine months ago, and he started telling me about something called non-fungible tokens. And he was going way down the rabbit hole over this technology. And I finally said, Eric, why are you telling me about all this? And he said, because you could use this in the diamond industry. You could, you could pair a non-fungible token with a diamond, put the diamond in a vault, and the token would represent ownership of the diamond. And I said, well, how would that be different from a warehouse receipt? Well, he said it would be a warehouse receipt. That's exactly what it would be. But it would be a warehouse receipt based on the blockchain that could be traded on crypto platforms that support non-fungible tokens. Bingo, you've created an investment marketplace for diamonds. <laughs> It's a good story, and it's always great that you must be very proud that your son took enough wisdom and knowledge from you so that he can then later on in life do the same back. I, I'm not sure what he got from me. <laughs> Still trying to figure out who the father is because this guy's smart as hell. But uh, I'm very, very thrilled with what he's been able to accomplish. And the irony of this story is that, and, and your listeners that didn't hear the, the first part of how I got into this diamond industry, don't know that most people don't know that my early years in the diamond industry, I was trying to create an investment marketplace for diamond. I finally gave up because they were they were not fungible. I finally gave up. And when Eric gave me this business idea, he did not know that my early days in the diamond industry had been trying to solve the problem of diamond investment. I finally gave up. 40 years later, he hands me on a silver platter the way to do it using 21st century blockchain technology. How cool is that? And with that, um, we're out of time, but that's an excellent way to end the show. I really love that story with you and Eric Voorhees. So this is Jacques Voorhees, the CEO of IceCap. We were talking about his career in the diamond industry and how he's actually tokenizing investment-grade diamonds so that there's a two-way marketplace. If you have any questions or comments about what we talked about today, email us at info at svn.biz. Don't go away because Jacques will be right back to talk about what he thinks the future will hold in these two-way marketplaces and other things that he sees in the industry. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn. And I'll be right back with more of Jacques. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. My special guest today has been Jacques Voorhees, who is the CEO of IceCap. And we were talking about his career in the diamond industry and how he recently discovered non-fungible tokens and how to create a two-way marketplace. Welcome back, Jacques. Thank you very much. And the Easter egg we had at the end of the last segment is that Jacques actually got this idea from his son, Eric Voorhees, who is the CEO of Shapeshift and very well known in the cryptocurrency and blockchain space. So that was a good surprise. I, I totally see the connection. Jacques, we talked a lot about your career, how in the beginning you had wanted to create a two-week marketplace back in the 70s, and that just really didn't fly because there wasn't the tools or the processes. But with technology, especially blockchain technology, that is now coming to fruition. What are some of the other thoughts you have on where we're going in the future? Yeah, I mean, I used to give uh, speeches to jewelers groups saying, you know, right in the mid 90s when the web was just starting and they would, I would say to them, if your business has anything to do with you having knowledge that your customer doesn't have, you're toast because your customer is about to have more knowledge of everything than you have. And that's proved to be very true, just the way 
uh, profit margins have been disrupted because having secret knowledge that, that your customers didn't have is gone. And I'm, I'm, I'm seeing similar changes that are going to be happening now as, as online technology has sort of coming into its own. And, and look how it's come into its own in the last few months in 2020, how all the things we're doing, um, life, for those people who work at a desk and at a computer screen, life hasn't changed very much. They're still doing the jobs they were always doing. They're just doing them from home. They're doing them thanks to technologies like Zoom that, that the underlying internet made possible. But, but people haven't quite figured out what that means. If everybody can work from home, and both my, my son and my daughter are doing that, and they've been doing it for, for almost six months now, then people don't need to be going into offices. And if they don't need to be going into offices, the whole foundational reason for why cities exist has just been vaporized by the virus. What's going to happen 50 years from now, looking back, people are going to look at, I mean, look at places like San Francisco and New York and say, what are all those strange, funny, concrete things sticking up in the sky? What, what did some ancient civilization use those for? They'll be trying to figure it out because it won't be immediately obvious what the purpose of those structures was. And I think that's what's going to happen. I think it's, it's going to be a revolution in our economy and just more and more everything is going to be moving online. You're going to be diamond, buying diamonds by buying tokens and then redeeming them. You're not going to be walking into a jewelry store. So those are, so those are some of the changes I'm seeing. Great. And then in terms of now that your platform, icecap.diamonds is the domain, that is up and running. How do you see the adoption of the industry? What are the steps that it will take for the industry to be comfortable with using that as a two-way marketplace? Which industry? I mean, not the diamond industry, because this isn't really targeted for the diamond industry. It's targeted for the investment industry, the financial industry. And we, we've spent the last six months putting in place the, the various pieces of security um, and confidence and, and regulatory uh, issues and legal issues and so forth, all the pieces necessary to make the financial industry, let's call it Wall Street, able to look at diamonds as a potentially valid investment vehicle for asset diversification. We think we're there, but time will tell. Well, with that, Jacques, I really enjoyed my lesson on investment grade diamonds. I haven't really had to deal with that since buying diamonds for my wife. <laughs> So it's actually quite enlightening. I, I wish you and the team the best because I really love the concept of using tokenization for NFTs. And NFTs, again, non-fungible tokens can be used for any manner of tracking and uh, validity of anything, especially things that are not fungible, which, again, we used earlier examples of things like artwork which is what comes to mind and how do we grade diamonds. So thanks again for being here. I really hope we get to stay on top of your project. Thanks very much. Thanks for inviting me. So you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. Special guest today has been Jacques Voorhees, CEO of IceCap. If you have any questions about investment grade diamonds using a blockchain platform, email us at info at svn.biz. You can find IceCap on icecap.diamonds. And you can always find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, and we will see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846, 888-828-SVIN.